0: Hear God's Word together. James chapter 4 is where I'm reading from and preaching from this morning. And you'll find that on page 6 of the Order of Service. You'll find the whole passage, James 4, 10 to 17. Or if you have a Bible, uh, do turn to it. Do turn to it now. James chapter 4 and reading from verse 10. I think verse 10 is the central command in this chapter, the main thing that everything else it's like the hub of a wheel. All the other commands flow out from the central, central command in verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And then here are the verses we're going to look at in particular this morning. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Just a couple of years ago, we worked our way through the book of James together. Some of you here today will remember that, working our way through this book. And we looked at chapter 4, verse 15. Just look at that verse again. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. When we looked at that verse, I explained how generations of older Christians often included the phrase, God-willing in their letters or emails or in conversation, you've probably heard people say that. I'm going to do such and such a thing, God willing. I'll see you next year, God willing. Some people say, I'll see you next year, DV, the Latin, Deo Valente, God willing. And as I preached that sermon a couple of years ago, I commended that old-fashioned practice to us as a church family. And some of our younger people, I think with tongue-in-cheek, every time they spoke to me, everything they ever said to me, when they texted or emailed, they always said, God willing. God willing included it uh, in all in all their conversation with me. I love these verses that we're looking at, these verses that we've just read together. I believe them. I love their picture of life in God's hands that they give us. I love chapter 4 verse 15. So why did COVID-19 bring my world crashing down around my ears in 2020? After taking specific time in our church family life together to look at and growing to love the idea of saying and believing God willing, why was the loss of my daily routine such a devastating blow? How did the massive alteration of my plans come to be for me such a crippling emotional blow, a profound shock to the system? I think it was for most of us, for for maybe for all of us, wasn't it, if we're honest? Just think back to those first weeks, not too long ago now until it was nearly a year. Shock and surprise as we began to realize what was happening around us. That gave way, didn't it, to upset and grief. And you began to take your diary and just to cross out all the things that you had planned One after another, all our best laid plans for the year fell, didn't they, like skittles in a bowling alley? Why was it such a profound shock? Well, I think the answer is this. I've been thinking about it this week. Here's here's my best attempt at an answer. As we move through life, the world that we live in just constantly dupes us into believing a false story. We become enchanted with a false view of ourselves and a false view of the way the world is. And our heads and our Bibles in front of us might tell us, God willing, but we are immersed in the oxygen of the world that says, me willing, I willing, I am in charge and I will decide. And 2020 then came like a wrecking ball into all our lives to show us just how quickly and how easily we believe that that lie. I suspect all of us this morning believe chapter 4 verse 15. And yet we breathe different air, don't we, every single day. So all I want to do this time together is to give us two things here from James chapter 4 verses 13 to 17 Two things to help you this morning, just stand on that oxygen line of the world once again, to cut it, cut it off. Two things to help us breathe in the truth of what God says. I want it to be, I want it to be a profound comfort for us, life-giving. I want it to be comforting in the Isaiah chapter 40, comfort, comfort my people sense, not, not a warm, cuddly blanket but putting strength into us kind of comfort. Two things. Here's the first one. Number one, friends, don't plan 2021 forgetting what you are. Don't plan 2021 forgetting what you are. Two things not to do, and there's the first one. Don't plan your life forgetting what you are. See, so if you look at verse 13, what, what James does is he takes us from specific diary deliberations, the kind of decisions we all know, or at least that we used to know, didn't we? Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a place. That's just a generic example, all the daily details, daily decisions we face, where to go, what to do, when to do them. We have hopes and plans and dreams. And James takes us from that place in verse 13 that we all know so well And he bursts our bubble with the one big picture thing we forget almost every day. Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I need to ask you this morning, as you sit here, have you forgotten what you are? You are a mist. You are here for a little time and then gone. It's an amazing phrase, isn't it? Nestled in the middle of verse 14. A little time. A short while, a moment. And then you will vanish. 4th of March, 2007. Do you remember... That particular evening, do you remember the har that came in off the North Sea, covered Aberdeen? No, you don't. Neither do I. I made it up. Maybe it didn't happen. What about 13th of September 2015? Do you remember the dew on the on the grass that morning? Sweet, fresh dew that was there that morning. It was amazing, beautiful dew. You must remember it, surely. Do you? No, we don't. It's dew. It's mist. It's here. It's gone. It's forgotten. Brothers and sisters, do you know what you are? Do you know what you are? A mist? A mist? We are here one minute and we are gone the next. And when we are gone, the world goes on spinning without us. Some of you will have seen uh, the picture That I put on social media this week for this sermon. It's the picture that appears at the start of the online video for this sermon. It's a picture of skyscrapers way up high in the sky and all around the skyscrapers is mist. The skyscrapers are just poking up above the top of mist. And I thought it was a brilliant visual image for this passage because we live our lives getting that picture the wrong way around, don't we? We think we're the skyscrapers, not the mist. We're standing tall. We're going to go places. We're going to be someone. We're going to make things. We're going to do things. I am an oak tree. I'm an island. I'm a castle made of granite. I'm a fortress. Pick a role from all the offices that we hold in life. Who do we want to be? Master, commander, CEO. Beyond this place of wrath and tears, Looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. And what does God say? Not so much. Not so much. You are a mist, a vapor. Psalm 103, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. What was your great, great grandfather's name? What did he love? What did he hate? What did he do? What did he achieve in life? wonder if any of us here, maybe one or two, might know the answer to those questions in our family. For some of us, even in a small group like this, for some of us, I think this is quite hard to understand, isn't it? We are young. I see it in my own children, particularly my boys, as I try and compete with them physically. To be young is to feel immortal. You feel like you're never going to die. Have you got your bike helmet on? Have you got your lights on your bike and their eyes roll? Come on, Dad, relax we're We're in school or university. We're about to get a a job or get married. We've just started a family. The world is our oyster, and James says yes, but you will float through time and in no time at all be gone. Others of us, the opposite aren't we? We're saying yeah." I get this. I just blinked, and now here I am in an old person's body. James isn't trying to depress any of us with this, is he? What's he trying to do, verse 10? Simply trying to humble us. That's all. That's all. Humble us. Verse 16, he's trying to stop us boasting in our arrogance. Friends, do you believe today that there are worse things in the world than dying? There are worse things than dying. One of the worst things than dying is living without realizing that I am going to die. That I will come and go and the world will barely remember that I've been here. If that makes you angry this morning or depressed this morning, I think James would say, verse 10, just check your pride. Maybe your emotions are the creature rising up to try and be the creator, trying to take from God what he has never promised to give you in this world, which is immortality. No, there is only ever one true and living God, only one who is immortal. And to try and sit on God's throne is to get way beyond myself, isn't it? Several years ago, we had, uh, in our church family, some of you will know, we had a a dear brother in church who lost his grown-up daughter to cancer. And this woman was a strong Christian, so is my friend. On one occasion, when his daughter was dying, he was by her bedside in hospital, and a good friend of the family came to to see them. This this person who visited happened to be a well-connected medical doctor. Very well connected. When he saw the family in distress, he offered to see if he could arrange specialist help from them from Harley Street in London. And my friend expressed his great gratitude for that offer of help. But then he also said to the kind doctor, he said to them, remember, we all come to this. We all come to this. When I think of that, that so often moves me to tears. Even now when when I think of this man's profound grasp of reality in the face of death. His own daughter's death. Those kind of words, remember we all come to this. He was not being fatalistic, not being pessimistic. I know that he longed for his daughter to be cured and to be healed. And yet, at the same time, he had simply deeply learned what he Was. I want to ask you this morning, what difference, what difference might it make to your 2021 if we really believed that we might not see 2022? I, I want to urge you to consider that. Are you taking the breath in your body for granted? Friends, this life is too short too short to waste it on passing trivia generations before us have sat where we sit this morning in the midst of pandemics and most of us didn't even know they existed until this past year spanish flu 1918 to 1920 a great flu epidemic in 1957 and it's been and gone forgotten generations have come and gone This life is so short. James says to us, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to give this year? Who are you going to give it to? What will be different in God's eternal kingdom this year because of what you chose to do with you and your gifts and your time, your money, your resources? Oh, friends, don't plan 2021 forgetting what you are. Number two. Don't plan 2021 forgetting whose you are. Don't plan forgetting whose you are. It's very important when you look at these verses to, to realize James is not against planning, is he? No, he's not against planning because look at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's okay to say, I'm going to do this or that. Planning is good. It's wise. Fail to plan, then plan to fail and all of that. Now, what the Bible is against here is not planning, but how our diaries can make atheists of us all. James is against the kind of self-sufficiency that keeps God for Sundays, but me for Monday to Saturday. The kind of practical atheism that never stops to think about what difference it might make to my plans if they never happen. See see the difference in the text, verse 15? Who do we forget when we plan tomorrow? Who's in control? The Lord. The Lord. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. See what James is doing here in chapter four. He is taking us off our high horse and bringing us down low. And he is driving down deep into our souls. He's driving down deep into our souls the knowledge that I am a character in the story of the world that God is writing. I am not the author of my own play. God is the author, the playwright, the one painting the picture, the glorious picture of all of world history. And in the center of this picture is a throne. And the king on the throne is not me and not you. It is a bleeding lamb, a lion, the Lord Jesus. The point of the world is for him and about him, not for me. I want to ask you again, do you know the kind of humility here from verse 10? The the kind of humility, not, not the kind that quickly says God willing, that quickly says DV, but no, the kind of humility that gets out of bed in the morning and says, it is because of the Lord's mercy that I am not consumed. His mercies. Oh, my feet touched the ground this morning. What a mercy. I want to try and put this in in very real terms for us. It's easy to look at verse 13, isn't it? And I guess because of the pandemic, we're not making these sorts of plans, are we? Or saying these sorts of things. It's easy for us to look at verse 13 and say, well, I, I wouldn't think about the future like that, going here and there and trading and making a profit. But let me put James chapter 4 verse 13 into modern language. Okay, if you look at it, here's what I think it is for us in modern language. Come now, you who say 2020 was a terrible year. Good riddance to 2020. In 2021, we will get our lives back and return to normal. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Friends, maybe 2021 will be worse Than 2020 for some of us. Our confidence and hope is not in the calendar, is it? It's not in the passing of time. It's not in what our government leaders tell us will happen or what our NHS chief's promise will happen. Our confidence, verse 15, is in whose we are. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, 2021 will see us live and do this or that. Can I encourage you today, more than anything else, to just drink in deeply that you are not your own. You are not your own. You belong to the Lord Jesus. Listen to those beautiful words again. Put your eyes on them if you can. The Heidelberg Catechism on page 5. I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to the Lord, my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Who is this Lord that you belong to? Do you see how safe you are? How, how, how strong he is? You know, last night we watched with our older children. We watched the film Sully. Some of you will have seen that amazing film about an amazing miracle, 2009, flight 1549 that landed on the Hudson River. And it's one of the the beauties of filmmaking and storytelling that although we know the story that the plane landed safely, every single passenger got off the plane, you you know how it ends before it even starts, and yet it's the wonder of storytelling that my children literally were physically sweating with tension as this plane comes into land, and that the sheer beauty and emotion of being saved. You, you see people get off the plane phoning loved ones and their, their whole body is shaking with joy. They cannot believe they are alive. Saved, rescued, held, secure. that The life they thought they were about to lose, given back to them. That's what the Heidelberg Catechism is saying, isn't it? You belong body and soul in life and in death to someone who has fully paid for all your sins. You are safe, secure. If you're young, wondering about your future at university, heading off to university, wondering whether to go, wondering what the future holds, do not plan this year ahead, forgetting Forgetting whose you are and who is in control. Your job. You look at the year ahead and wonder will it still be there in a few months time. You are in the hands of a loving father. Your relationships, maybe, maybe one relationship has just ended. Maybe one is beginning. Maybe the future is totally uncertain for you. Maybe you're hurting. Do you know that if there is no God in the world, then bad luck. Some people get it and some lose out. The world is a brutal place. You just get mashed by the machine. All there is is blind, cruel, cold fate. But if there is a God and if the Lord Jesus Christ is real, do you know you are in his hands? If the Lord wills, the Lord the good Lord, the tender master, the gentle savior, the one who loves you and knows you, who knows what is best and right for you, if he wills. Let me say this as well. If you are despondent as the new year begins, it's very easy to be despondent often for many of us at the start of a new year. And this year in particular, if you're despondent, let me ask you to check your gratitude meter. We, we all have a gratitude meter. I think, actually, it is our primary emotional control. We're either grumpy or grateful. That's how, how we're wired. And one of the things that happens when we are deeply, truly, fully, joyfully, joyfully knowing who we belong to, one of the things that happens when we know whose we are is that gratitude grows. And boasting dies, doesn't it? We come to realise that all of life is a gift we don't deserve. We just wonder at the mercy and patience and kindness of God. GK Chesterton said this about gratitude. He said, You say grace before meals, all right? Okay, that's what we all do, isn't it? You say grace before meals, we pause, we pray. But, Chesterton said, I say grace before the concert and the opera. I say grace before the play and the pantomime. I say grace before I open a book. Grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing. I say grace before I dip my pen in the ink. I don't think there's any way you can live like that or speak like that or, or, or have that kind of overflowing sense of sheer wonder at being alive in God's world unless you know whose you are, the good and faithful Savior. So I want to wish you, dear brothers and sisters, I want to wish you a very happy new year, but not in the way that everybody else does around us, I want to wish you a new year where you know that every day you have comes from the Lord. Every moment is sent by him for you and I to live in. James chapter 4 says to us, so what will you do with it? Whose empire are you going to build? Whose kingdom will you serve this year? Amen.